Welcome to the Advancing Surgical Care Podcast, brought to you by ASCA, the Ambulatory Surgery Center Association. ASCA represents the interests of outpatient surgery centers of every specialty and provides advocacy and resources to assist them in delivering safe, high-quality, cost-effective patient care. As with all of ASCA's communications, please check to make sure you are listening to or viewing our most up-to-date podcasts and announcements. Hi, I'm Bill Prentice, and I'm ASCA's CEO and host of this episode. Today, I'm pleased to welcome back Karen Newberry, ASCA's Regulatory Counsel and Director of Government Affairs, and I've invited Kara onto the ASC podcast to discuss the proposal for the 2023 Outpatient Payment and Quality Reporting Rule that was released by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, on July 15th. CMS is required by law to issue a rule each year that, among other things, updates the list of procedures that can be performed in ASCs, establishes the inflationary update for those procedures, updates any quality reporting requirements for ambulatory surgery centers for the coming year. ASCA and other interested parties will now have until September 13th to submit comments to this draft rule in an effort to improve it for the ISC community. As is often the case, there are some proposals in the draft that demonstrate that CMS is listening to our input. Regrettably, however, we also believe the draft falls short, both in terms of the proposed update factor and by missing a real opportunity to lower costs for both CMS and the Medicare patients they serve. And Karen and I will talk more about that in a moment. But before we do, I want to mention the fact that the proposed rule that we're about to discuss runs some 886 pages in length, so we won't have time to get into every detail. But as we complete our analysis and prepare our comments for that September deadline, we will, of course, continue to share information with all of our members and listeners. And with that introduction, welcome, Kara. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. Great. Well, let's get right to the question of the proposed inflationary update. The proposed rule calls for a 2.7% increase for both hospital outpatient departments and ASCs. Given the inflationary pressures on wages, rent, surgical equipment, medical supplies, and more that we're seeing, that's not a number that anyone can really cheer about. So, Kara, can you explain how CMS arrives at that figure and include some of the backstory about how we're updated now using the hospital market basket? Absolutely, Bill. So the default in statute is for CMS to update ASCs using the consumer price index for all urban consumers. And we have long asked CMS to align our update with that of hospital outpatient departments instead, which has uh, traditionally been higher over the years. So, you know, looking back at Uh, what inflation used to be, you know, it was a lot lower than what it is now. And that is why we've been asking for this uh, alignment. Unfortunately, as everybody is well aware, inflation is extremely high and much higher than the 2.7% proposed update to ASCs. However, we still feel that it is uh, better for us to be aligned with hospitals because we do expect that the pendulum will swing back and we don't want to lose out on any future updates. Of course, right now, um, it looks bad. As we all know, costs for supplies and, as you mentioned, surgical equipment, rents, wages, as we all know, there's staffing shortages. And so we're certainly going to mention all those things, particularly the increased cost of staffing when we ask CMS to consider some of the other policy changes. So this is the last year that we're set for this trial period, this five-year trial of us being updated on the hospital market basket. 
but we would, of course, like to maintain that alignment with hospital outpatient departments moving forward. We do believe there are other policies that CMS could look into and change to better reflect, you know, how much ASCs are spending. And, you know, one of those is the ASC weight scaler. So a problem across Medicare programs and something that I think we need to look at addressing through congressional action or through the administration is this attempt to maintain budget neutrality in each siloed payment system. So that's really where we're um, hurt in this update as well, uh, looking to cut our weight scaler um, by more than 15% for the first time ever. So I think that there are you know, policies that certainly that we can promote that would um, help ASCs and better reflect the true cost of providing care to our um, patients. Well, that was a lot, Karen. I know the weight scaler, we could probably spend an entire podcast trying to dive in and talk about the impact of the weight scaler and what we would need to do to change it and how that would actually be better for the Medicare program. But we won't do that now. The only thing I'd, I'd mention about the uh, hospital market basket is, yes, this is probably the black swan year where the hospital market basket would be lower than the CPIU. But as you mentioned, in most years, that's not the case. And I don't think we can expect that CMS would just toggle back and forth to whichever one is better for ASCs. And indeed, in the long run, I think being aligned with the hospitals in this inflation factor is helpful to us because now we have the hospital's lobbying power seeking to make that number as high as possible, which we would benefit from. Um, so I think that's just an important point for folks to remember, um, even though this is the odd year where the CPIU might be higher. Well, Kara, we're going to take a short break to hear a message from our podcast sponsor. So just stand by and we'll be right back. This episode of the Advancing Surgical Care podcast is being brought to you by National Medical Billing Services, an ASCA affiliate and leading ASC revenue cycle company that helps ASCs properly capture their revenue and maximize their cash flow in a highly compliant fashion. To learn more about National Medical Billing Services' wide range of revenue cycle services and analytics, visit nationalascbilling.com. Kara, before we paused our conversation, we were talking about the proposed rate update, and clearly we have more to say on that topic as we develop our arguments in the comment period along the lines of the things you were talking about. The other big disappointment in the rule was CMS's failure to lower costs and improve access to beneficiaries by adding only one of the many viable procedures that ASCs are safely performing on commercial patients and which we believe could be safely formed on some Medicare patients. So even though ASCA provided CMS with a list of 47 codes for procedures that are being safely done on non-Medicare populations, CMS only added one to our list in the proposed rule. Can you comment on that omission as well as the frustrating delay in the nominations process that was supposed to help address our concerns in this area? Absolutely, Bill. I, I think I can. There was some confusing language in the rule, as there was last year as well. So, um, you know, once again, I have to try to play mind reader uh, with CMS. But we were, of course, supportive of this nomination process. It would have uh, allowed ASCs and other interested parties to submit procedures through a more transparent and open process by a March 1st deadline every year, and then presumably they would be considered and either put into the proposed rule 
or not, and CMS would be providing a rationale for why they would not add them in the proposed rule. CMS did not have that system up and running for this year, so instead, ASCA submitted codes that we thought were good candidates, really, for the ASC cover procedure list. Most of the codes that we submitted are done predominantly in an outpatient setting. So that is, of course, mostly private pay data that we have. But since we knew that they were being done predominantly outpatient, we thought that they would also be good candidates for the ASC setting. As you mentioned, CMS only added one, uh, one you know, ENT code, and that was extremely disappointing. What was more disappointing, however, was that this nomination process was delayed an entire additional year. CMS acts as if it was only delayed until uh, you know, next year's rulemaking. However, if you read what's in the Code of Federal Regulations section, it already stated that it was for the evaluation of codes starting by a March 1st 2023 deadline, which would have been for 2024 rulemaking. So we're now actually with this one-year delay to January 1st, 2024, we are looking at a 2025 rulemaking for this um, new nomination process. So two years delayed from what was in the uh, original rulemaking on this topic last year. Now I will say ASCA has been successful in the past requesting codes, but it wasn't really through the process that they've laid out here, which was just, you know, submitting codes uh, in your comment letter and hoping for the best. We've been successful in the past taking surgeons into CMS and advocating for procedures, you know, prior to rulemaking, and we'll continue to do that until this new nomination process is in place. Now, one area where we were successful um, was keeping a few codes off of the inpatient-only list last year. Uh, we were successful in keeping total shoulder arthroplasty, a lumbar fusion code, and uh, total ankle arthroplasty actually from going back onto the inpatient-only list. So we will actively promote those procedures in our comments to be added to the ASC cover procedure list for next year, but I'm not overly optimistic because, as I said, you know, CMS hasn't shown a real desire to add codes to our ASC cover procedure list that were requested in comments. And, in fact, there is no transparency. They don't always address in the final rule every code that was requested and why or why not they are going to add it. So, you know, very disappointed in, as I said, the lack of transparency in that process. We will still continue to ask for codes, but I think we need to go back to where we take in our surgeons and, you know, it's going to be a piecemeal process as it used to be, but really asking for codes prior to rulemaking like we used to do. Yeah, that's very frustrating, Kara. And, you know, we know that there's a list of criteria that the medical directors are supposed to look to in terms of making that judgment about whether a procedure can be safely performed in the outpatient setting and then in the ASC setting. But without that feedback, without telling us where any of these procedures that we believe belong on our list fall short, it's hard for us to, you know, to marshal the arguments to overcome that. As you said, you know, this looking now like almost two year now delay in using this new process, more transparent process, we're going to have to, I think, work even harder to bring data and clinicians to CMS and try and drive change in that less effective way. But it's the only avenue available to us. So obviously, we've been looking for our surgical community to, to always identify procedures that we think uh, belong on our list and, and try and use that process until we get this nomination process in place. 
Well, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're going to be voicing our objections to CMS on all these points. Um, but for now, let's move on to a couple of small victories that we see in the proposed rule. So for starters, CMS is proposing a new ASC payment policy that would result in higher payment when a code combination is more complex and a costlier version of the procedure is performed. Carrie, I know this is a bit complicated, but what can you tell us about this proposal right now? Sure. And I know that I have been providing a negative view of CMS payment policy, but actually I was quite impressed with their attempt to address this issue. And uh, it is fairly complex, but when there's a primary code that's performed in conjunction with add-on codes, which typically have a payment indicator of N1, and N1 codes are not separately reimbursed, so there's no additional payment for those N1 codes. Um, however, it is often the case that those codes, the primary code and the N1 you know, add-on codes, when done in conjunction with each other, become a more complex, and of course complex equals costly, so a more complex and costlier procedure. Now, on the OPPS side, the outpatient prospective payment system, or hospital outpatient department, there is what they refer to as a complexity adjustment. So when those codes are done in conjunction with each other, CMS bumps up the payment rate for that combination of codes to better reflect the true cost. So CMS has identified 52 of these combinations for codes that would receive a complexity adjustment in the HOPD and are also payable in the ASC setting. And CMS is proposing for the first time ever to provide a complexity adjustment to ASC for these combination of codes. I thought it was interesting because CMS did do an evaluation in this rule and according to them, they said for the vast majority of codes, on average, CMS pays 55% of what uh, an HOPD gets for the ASC setting. Now, I would argue that it's actually a little lower. I think it's closer to about 50% on average, but we'll go with what they say, so 55%. But when CMS looked at these complexity-adjusted code combinations, they found that the ASC was getting reimbursed between 25 and 35% of what the hospital outpatient department is receiving which is obviously significantly lower than 55%. So that's making those codes basically you know, unavailable in the ASC setting. So CMS is proposing a new uh, C code. So for these combinations of codes, so there are going to be 52 C codes for 2023, assuming that this proposal gets finalized, and it provides a reimbursement rate for the primary and add-on code in this complex, you know, procedure. And so, uh, you know, it's going to bump up the reimbursement rate, hopefully get us closer to that 55% of HOPD rates instead of the 25 to 35 that CMS has estimated is currently the case. So, you know, just to wrap it up, basically, like I said, CMS would provide uh, ASCs with a higher uh, payment rate for a complex code combination that better reflects the complex and costlier version of the procedure that's being performed. And important to remember, even if we get that higher reimbursement, um, if that leads to procedures migrating from the hospital outpatient department to the ASC, the system will still save money. So, I mean, that's the thing that's maddening is, is that this lack of interest from on CMS's part to try and drive volume to the lower cost setting, uh, which would actually provide a lot more efficient care to Medicare beneficiaries, potentially lower the beneficiaries' copays and deductibles, depending upon what they're paying, and also just free up money in the system to be spent on other important programs. So it's just really frustrating 
um, that we it's like pulling teeth to try and get these changes that make so much economic sense. Last thing I want to talk about is the proposed changes to the ASC quality reporting program, where it appears CMS has belatedly responded to one of ASCA's objections from last year. And specifically, I'm referring to ASC 11 and the requirement that ASCs report on post-operative testing of cataract patients. Carrie, can you explain why and how we push back against that proposal and what we can expect in the final rule? Bill, for those uh, listeners who have been around the ASC community for a while, you'll know that this um, saga actually goes back to about 2013 when the measure was first proposed for addition to the ASC quality reporting program. We pushed back at that time. We're able to, you know, get it made voluntary. Originally, CMS had, had mandated, you know, all the way back then, nine years ago, and then out of the blue, in the 2022 rule, CMS proposed and then finalized to make it mandatory again, even though we objected, all of the ophthalmic organizations objected. It's an important and interesting measure. You know, it's improvement in patients' visual function within 90 days following cataract surgery, but it's not a facility measure. It was tested and approved as a physician-level measure. The key data points are when the patient visits with the physician preoperatively and then during the global window within 90 days post-op. So it's just really not information that the ASC facility has, and it's not information that the ASC can really act upon to improve any processes of the facility. So we've been pushing back on this, like I said, for years and asking that it really, we just wanted it to be removed from our program because as we know, if it stays in there, even in a voluntary fashion as it is now, that there's always the chance that CMS will do what they did in 2022 and make it mandatory. But, you know, we are happy to hear that CMS did listen to ASCA and like I said, the ophthalmic community and has proposed to make this voluntary. So certainly we will be commenting in strong support for this proposal and we would request that all of our ophthalmic uh, facilities also bombard CMS with their resounding support for this proposal to ensure that it does not stay in as, as a mandatory measure uh, like it was finalized to do as of 2022. Well, that's good to hear that they listened and, and hopefully that makes its way through to the final rule. And I think it really speaks to the importance of, you know, not just relying on ASCA, but having the entire ASC community chime in when we see things that need to be changed uh, in these rules. And I'm hoping that all our listeners here will pay attention to, you know, our proposed comments, will submit their own comments for or against the different elements of this rule and an offer to make it better. So I, I know we've covered the high and some low points. Um, and as I promised earlier, ASCA members can look forward to getting more analysis uh, in the weeks ahead as you, know, you and your team dive deeper into the rule and, and look for things that need to be addressed. But I, I want to thank you and particularly Alex Tyra on, on your staff for the quick study of this very expansive proposal. So thanks, Kara. Absolutely, Bill. So once again, if anyone listening has additional questions, please don't hesitate to contact us or to visit the ASCA website where more details on these and other important regulatory issues can be found. And finally, before signing off, I would like to thank our podcast sponsor, National Medical Billing Services, an ASCA affiliate and leading ASC revenue cycle company. To learn more, visit nationalascbilling.com. Thanks.